Good morning, good morning, good to see you all on this blustery day. It's blustery out there, right? It's a Winnie the Pooh day, but hey, you're here, we're glad to have you. Uh, actually, honestly, it's the end of January, I'll take this weather every single week until spring, that's not going to be a problem, but good to have you here, welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, please stop by the Welcome Center and let us uh, welcome you officially and give you a gift and I'll let you know how glad we are to have you. If you're joining us online for the first time, please scan that QR code, let us know you're out there and encourage us with your, uh, your contact out there. If you are dealing with disappointment or want to know how to deal with disappointment, ladies, we have a Bible study that starts up at this Tuesday at uh, 7 o'clock in the evening, then Thursday in the mornings. You can go to either one, sign up out there. I think the sign-up's already there, but somebody will let you know how to get a book if you need to get one. Uh, Taylor and Maddie Woods will be with us on February the 11th. This is their official time to candidate, and so we're looking forward to uh, officially having them. Taylor will be preaching for us. We'll have some open house time in the afternoon and uh, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon or so. Then about 5 o'clock or 5.15, uh, teen parents will let you come in and uh, have a question and answer time with him. You can grill him, you know, whatever. He's going to preach for us uh, that night. We're looking forward to having them in, and you can uh, get to know them on that day. They'll be with us all day. Uh, And then uh, the Iwana Grand Prix coming up. You can sign up out there to the right if you want the help or if you have a kid that would like to participate. Uh, make sure you sign up out there. And VBS volunteers are needed. It's June the 16th through the 21st. It's coming up quickly. The Jungle Journey, it says. The Great Jungle Journey. So looking forward to that. If you can help out with TNT, or VBS, I'm sorry, CJD, or use that QR code and just uh, volunteer online, that's the easiest way to do it. And then our missionaries of the week are the Weisses. They run Shepherd's Bethel, which is a, uh, a community, I'm going to call it. It's like a modular homes uh, where they allow missionaries who are on deputation or on uh, furlough to come in and stay. Uh, they have several praises that they would like to share with you uh, and things that they would like to share. So praise for the new bigger trailer. They're excited about that. Uh, for oinkers, they call them hogs, uh, cooked and given to the community for those in need, for praise, uh, praise for a new supporting church and their willingness to contribute food and supplies. Uh, for the community fish fry, that was a great outreach. Pray for the people in the community to come to Christ. Uh, praise for the many people, including the Widow's Jar. That's another ministry that's here in town uh, who helped come through and help with projects. The Widow's Jar, if you have any missionary friends, let us know. There's, there's a building that's about, uh, about the size of this whole building, if you knocked out these walls, uh, upstairs and down, and it's full of mostly new and Slightly used, some slightly used items that are free to missionaries uh, as they come through, and it's a wonderful uh, opportunity for them. And they ask that we would pray that God would continue to give the supplies they need to serve the missionaries as they come through. I have a couple of other things real quickly. So the, the Hazelwoods, their ministry to the military down in Fort Leonard Wood is primarily uh, to feed the soldiers on the weekends and the times that they can come in, and they have the soldiers come in, they... Uh, provide food, they provide an opportunity for the soldiers to get off base and uh, to be in a kind of a family setting. So it's, it's their home, uh, but they have a large area downstairs, and they can, they can feed up to 50 or so uh, at their house. But, uh, you know, there's one way that we can support them, and that is to help fill their pantry. Uh, so there's a few things that we could do for that. We're going to start collecting dry goods, canned goods, uh, you're talking about rice, beans, you know, those kinds of things, uh, dry goods, canned goods, 
but we also need plastic storage containers to store them in. We're not like talking like Tupperware. We're talking about you know like the the larger units that they could store them in, so that uh, things don't critters don't get into the food as we deliver it to them. Shelving would be a wonderful thing for them. We can only take so much shelving, but if you know a way to get some shelving, that'd be great. And then ultimately, once we collect all this, we would be looking for some people to deliver, uh, to take it down to them. And so uh, that's going to be happening in the next few weeks. You can see uh, Tim Huggins for any more details you have for that. I think that's all of the other things that I needed to announce. Maybe there's one other thing. Let me look on here. I wrote something else up there. Yes, uh, there's some Pediasure and some formula that's out there. It's free, first come, first serve. Uh, for those of you with little ones that might need something like that. Let's have the men come. We'll take out the morning offering. encourage you to uh, give it to the Lord, Brother Devin. I'm going to ask you, if you would, please, to remember the wife's in prayer and then ask God's blessing on the service and on the offering to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love toward us, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to give. I, I pray that we'll give liberally. We just look back on this year and how you've blessed us uh, and provided for our needs, Lord, and I just thank you for uh, the blessing of this ministry, Lord. Pray for the Weisses and their ministry at Shepherd's Bethel, Lord. I pray that they'd uh, continue to be a blessing to the, the missionaries and uh, the use of uh, Widow's Jar and the opportunity to serve our missionaries and providing for their needs, Lord. I just pray that you'd continue to bless that ministry and uh, that it would just be a light uh, and a blessing to each missionary that's able to benefit from that, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us and how you've blessed us as a church. pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Thank you, ladies. We serve a great Savior, don't we? Uh, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to sing about that great Savior, immortal, invisible, God only wise.
those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 11, beginning in verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of, of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first root be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it, remain standing. I've been amazed recently. God's been just showing me how gracious and good he is. And now the song we're going to sing, it starts off by saying, How great is our God. It says, God of the universe, who reigns from above, gracious and merciful, abounding in love. And I don't know about you, but I've been amazed by God's love and his graciousness to me just in the last couple months. And I've just been shown recently just how good and gracious God is. And so we're going to sing about that. We're going to sing all three verses of How Great Is Our God.
should live in light of that. Because we see who God is, we should follow on in every way that we are. So we'll sing three verses of follow on.
familiar hymn to us. It was written by a man named William Newell. And this man was a professor at a Bible college. And on his way to class one morning, these words came to him, and he had to jot them down as quickly as he could. It's a, a really beautiful song. And the, the problem with songs like At Calvary is we hear them frequently, and sometimes it's easy to gloss over the words and the meaning. And At Calvary is a beautiful uh, doctrine-filled hymn that we should be uh, joyed to sing and hear. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's talking about you right now, that you are in the state where you do not know Jesus as your Savior. This song is for you. And uh, I love the word picture of, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Can you just picture it now up in heaven in, in eternity past? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit getting together and thinking, how can we make a way of salvation for man who's going to go astray? And oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Um, one phrase, pardon there was multiplied to me. Have you ever thought about what that phrase means? Multiplied. If you multiply our sins by the sins of Jesus, zero, what happens when you multiply a number by zero? It cancels out. And that is the grace that's multiplied to us. Now 
Amen. Thank you, guys. Mr. Devin didn't tell you. He went to Pastor Brett and said, Pastor Brett, I want to have a group that is represented by the decades. This is the decades sextet, I guess, right? There are five decades up here, if you didn't notice that. There was a teenager, two 20-somethings, a 30-something, a 40-something, and a 50-something. Oh, man. So that was that's exciting, and I, I do appreciate that. Take your Bible to Galatians is where we're going to be in the book of Galatians. So it's going to sound like this is going to be a political message at the beginning, and it's not, even though, you know me, when I get started on politics, uh, I don't do politics. I, I do. I do do politics in that I think that you should vote. Can I say that just right now? It's a voting year. You ought to vote. And if you don't vote, you ought to sh- be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah, I'm just being honest, you know. This is, this is America. And I want to talk to you about that right there okay, for a moment, all right? I want to talk to you about that a little bit, but I'm going to fit this in the scripture. It really is not a political message. But the illustration cannot be ignored. It just cannot be ignored. So we have certain inalienable rights in America, right? You know what they are? Life, liberty. By the way, that's not just in America. If you understand the writer of the Declaration of Independence, he was saying that it doesn't matter who you are. In China, they're inalienable because they're not given to us by a government. They are endowed to us by God, by our Creator, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then in America, we are given freedoms. And uh, we think of the Bill of Rights often, right? We have the freedom of speech. Uh, We can say there's limits. Would you agree? We can say whatever we want, but if you were standing in a crowded building like this one and you stood up and shouted fire and somebody got trampled because uh, there was a panic that ensued and there wasn't really a fire, you could be held legally responsible for that, right? So there's limits, but we have freedom of speech. Uh, We have freedom of the press. We have the right to bear arms. We have all these freedoms that are given to us. that's a little tougher, but, you know, they're given, they're guaranteed to us. I, I should say it that way. They're guaranteed to us by our Constitution, right? So we have those. And, and here's a, a really strange – by the way, Ken, I want to broaden that. We in America uh, have – whose children are yours? Or whose – to whom do your children belong? Let me put it that way. To whom do your children belong? To the parents. You know who they do not belong to? The state. They do not belong to the state. Let me say that again. They do not belong to the state. The state does not dictate to you how to raise your children, or at least they should not. Right? That's, that's the reality. Now, here's a truth. When we quit exercising freedoms, we are surrendering them. Do you understand how this works? So about 25 years ago, political correctness started creeping in, and we were all browbeaten away from speaking our minds. And by the way, some people should just quit speaking their mind because they don't have a lot to say. Having said that, I will will fight for their right to be able to – if they want to be idiots, they can be that. I mean, that's what it it means to be in a free country. You're free to be stupid, and, and you can do that. And I, I would fight for their right to be able to do that. And when, 
when we take away that person's right because we don't like what they're saying or because we just think it's stupid, we are literally taking away our own rights. This is the way it all works, right? We take away our freedoms. Freedoms not exercised are surrendered. That's the way it just is. You can argue this, you can not like it, but we're watching it happen right before our eyes. We're watching the state stepping in and taking over parenting for our children, and we're letting them. And when we let them, a right not exercised, a freedom not exercised, is a freedom surrendered, and we're giving it to them. We're dooming our children and our grandchildren to the nation that we're leaving them because we won't exercise the freedoms that we've been given. Right? This is not political, I promise you. I'm just it has a political overtone. That's this is the illustration. Politics is the illustration of what we're looking at today. But you can't deny that we have surrendered freedoms that our parents and our grandparents enjoyed. And because we're simply choosing not to exercise them. When we don't exercise our freedoms, we surrender them. So, uh, you know, eventually it's going to be voting and petition and all that kind of stuff is going to go if we're not careful because we're not going to exercise them. I am not, uh, you know, you know, if you want to go, you know, join a picket line someplace and let your mind be known that way, okay, that's fine. I mean, I, 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 res- I would fight for your right to be able to do that. I don't know if that's the easiest way, the best way to get our freedoms across. Having said that, it has forever been a staple of our society, and when we quit exercising freedoms, we're surrendering them. Well, in Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. So before we get to Galatians 5, let me ask you this question. This, here's the question, we'll try to answer it, and then we'll jump into this, uh, pray and jump into this verse. All right? Why, why don't we exercise the freedoms that we have? You know, here's the reality. The first one, the very first thing I came up with is what's happening before our eyes. There's a whole generation of kids coming up and not realizing they have those freedoms. They're unaware of them. They don't know that they have the right to speak. They don't know that they have the right to petition. They don't know that that actually parenting, once they become parents, is their prerogative and not the state. They don't know that. And so they're not exercising freedoms because they're unaware of them. That might be one reason why people don't exercise freedoms. They're just unaware that they have them. But you're aware, right? You know that we have these freedoms. The Constitution delineates them for us. And it really doesn't matter, honestly, what a politician says. Amen? The Constitution says it. The politi- we, don't, we don't answer to a politician. Do you understand that the president is not, is not the one to whom we are beholden? We are beholden to the Constitution. Just like he is when he put his hand on the Bible and swore to uphold the Constitution. And that's our form of government, is the Constitution. And so we're going to get ourselves in trouble if we don't start exercising some freedoms and we're raising a generation of kids that don't even know that they have them. They have been so browbeaten with speech that they, you know, everybody's afraid of being canceled. You know, oh man, if I say this, then somebody will cancel me. Well, guess what? I mean, apart from killing you, no one can cancel you, really, in America, 
right? Now, they can make you feel like you're canceled. They can make you feel unimportant, and they can make it to where nobody wants to listen to you. But that's a different story. If we don't exercise our freedoms, we are surrendering them. That's the one of them is that we're, they're unaware. The second one, and here's the one I think we're probably in right now and maybe nearing the third one, is that we just are afraid of our freedoms. Freedoms come with cost. They come with responsibility. If I'm going to speak my mind, if I'm going to say what I think, then I have to, I'm accountable for it, right? I mean, then all of a sudden, and please hear me out. I think some of you need to get off of Facebook and quit making your opinions known. That's not the place to do this. It's rude and inconsiderate. Represent Christ first and foremost, right? And your opinion, if it doesn't match Christ, is not worth sharing as a child of God. Okay, so let me just say that. I'm not encouraging you to go out there and be a jerk. But we better exercise our freedoms. We better speak up. That means you write your politicians, you go downtown and speak to them. We have an open policy here still in the United States of America. You can actually make an appointment with your politician. You can go to Washington, D.C., make an appointment with your politician and, and actually sit down with them and talk one-on-one. You really can. It, it can happen. Now, it may not happen with the president, but you know, with your representative, you can do that. And we need to start exercising our freedoms because of freedom, not a, but we're afraid to do it. We're afraid of the responsibility. We're afraid of, you know, failure. What if it doesn't work? Or we're afraid of loneliness because everybody's going to ostracize us if we, you know, we're afraid of our livelihood. What if the government takes away my livelihood? By the way, that's always possible. It's really possible now, right? It wasn't possible 50 years ago. We would laugh at that, the government taking away your livelihood because you have an opinion. But today, we're like, okay, that might actually happen. And so now we're just afraid. We have been, we have been browbeaten away from exercising our freedoms. Not a good place to be. But here's the one I fear the most. And I'm afraid we're nearing it. And it's complacency. We're content just to be where we are. Right? You know, I can live without that freedom. It's not that big a deal. And we surrender it, and we're just complacent. Well, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 is where I want to look at, and this is where it takes a different tone. It's really not political. Take a look at it. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Father, as we look at this passage, help us, God, to see the freedoms you've given us and to recognize our ability and responsibility to exercise those freedoms. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A freedom that is not exercised is a freedom that is surrendered. And that same principle you were amening just a second ago in politics plays itself out in the Christian life. We in Christ have been given freedoms. And if we fail to exercise them, we are entangling ourselves again into the yoke of bondage. This is what this is talking about. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't exercise their freedoms. They might not know them. They might be unaware of them. They might be afraid to exercise that freedom. Or they might just be complacent and say, it's not that big a deal, I'll just stay where I'm at. But all of those, a freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. 
and we have been made free in Jesus Christ. And we need to begin to exercise our freedom. So let's take a look at this. And uh, I'm aware of the time, so don't panic, right? The, the obvious one is we are freed from sin's penalty. Now, we're not going to entangle ourselves again with the penalty of sin because the penalty is no longer in Christ. The penalty is no longer ours. That penalty has been placed on Christ, and he is not surrendering it. Do you understand? It's a done deal. It's in Christ. We are made free. He is in control of that penalty. Once we have accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the penalty of my sin rests squarely upon him, and he will not surrender it. So that's done. But in Christ, we have freedom from the penalty of sin. Now, what does that mean, though? It does mean a, a practical side of this. It means that I don't carry around the guilt of my sin anymore. Hello? Can you quit beating yourself up for what you did 25 years ago? In Christ, it's done. It is done. And some people can't get over it. And I know that sometimes our sin has major impact on those around us and on the direction of our life. And we're still living with the impact, but the impact is not the same as the penalty. Do you understand? The impact is not the same as the penalty. And you know what I can't do? I can't go backwards and undo it. I'd love to sometimes, right? That'd be great. But I can't go back and undo it. So what I do is I, I give it to Jesus, and he takes the penalty, and the penalty's gone. And with that, the guilt that I've been carrying around needs to go. There's a, there's, in the scripture, I, this is me saying it, but the concept is there. There is true guilt, real guilt, and there's false guilt. Real guilt is what the Holy Spirit does to convince you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And once you've been convinced and you've placed that guilt on Jesus, there's no longer a reason for you to carry the guilt. So now when I carry guilt that has been placed on Jesus, that's false guilt. It's not the Holy Spirit of God convicting me to get something right. It's already been made right. It's on Jesus. It's done. I need to let it go. I need to quit living in the past, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before. I press toward the mark. But I can't press toward the mark while I'm dragging everything from behind with me. It doesn't work that way. So get rid of it. The, the penalty is done. It's on Jesus. That freedom of no penalty frees you from the guilt of sin. We stand before God guiltless, or we don't get in. You understand? Forgiven. That's the point. And so, not just, don't just rest in it. Revel in it. I am forgiven, and the guilt is gone, and I no longer need carry that around. When somebody comes along and tries to pile it back onto me, I need to say boldly, that's under the blood of Jesus Christ. You're right, I was wrong, praise God, he's forgiven me, I hope you do too. And then go on with your life, because we can't, we can't undo it, but we can be forgiven for it, and it's done. So we are forgiven, we are free from the penalty of sin. But then the next one is the one that we understand, but we're missing out living on it, and that is we are freed from, in this verse, the bondage, the power of sin. Sin hath therefore now no longer, what's the word it says? Dominion, power. I don't have to submit myself to sin anymore. I am freed 
from the power of sin. I am free to live a righteous life in Jesus. I have been empowered by Jesus to make better decisions, and I can, I can exercise that freedom to live righteously and say no to sin, or I can continue to surrender the wrong direction and a, a, a freedom that is not exercised is surrendered. And before you know it, this person who was set free miraculously by the power of God, and the whole, your whole family was like praising God for it. This is such a wonderful thing. And now then they're brought back under the bondage yet again. Peter puts it this way in Second Peter chapter 1. says, you know, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Add all these things to you. But he that lacketh these things, if we fail to grow, if we fail to add to our faith, we got saved one day, but we did not add to our faith. We didn't grow up in Jesus. We didn't exercise our freedom. And a freedom not exercised is surrendered. And then you get to verse 9 and it says, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He is brought back into bondage of that sin because we failed to live in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. Now we're living in the bondage of sin that we've been freed from. There's no reason for it. But a freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. And we're, it's still there. The freedom of speech is still there in America. It's not like it's gone away. It's just gone away from us if we're not going to exercise it. The freedom to have freedom from our sin, the power of sin of our lives, is still there. It's in Jesus. It's there. We have to exercise that freedom or we're brought back into bondage of this sin. We have this freedom from bondage, freedom from fear, freedom from corruption, freedom from all these things. The power that sin has over us has been broken. Amen? It is vanquished. Amen? I mean, we literally now have the freedom in Christ to do right. Before Christ, by the way, before Christ, even when I tried to do right things, it turned out bad. Here's what the Bible says. All of my righteousnesses were as filthy rags. You know, as an unsaved person trying to, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to give money, and, and, and nothing happens. And we think God failed. No, God didn't fail. It's that we're, our approach has been wrong. We have to be broken free first, and that comes in Christ. Then we trust Christ. Now we're free, and we're free to exercise these freedoms of righteous living, of making good decisions. And now all of a sudden when I go to church, it does something for my life. It does something for my family. It does something to change me. When I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit uses it. It empowers me. It becomes a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I, I, I know the directions to go. It, it adds understanding. All of a sudden... My life is beginning to change because I'm exercising the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. But a freedom not exercised is surrendered. And if we're not careful, we're brought back. And it's not about losing our salvation. Jesus is still holding on to the penalty of our sin. That's done. We're not losing our salvation. We're just living like we've lost our salvation. We're living like we no longer live in the United States of America. Just because some politician said you can't speak. 
Who do they think they are? I've got a constitution. They don't tell me to shut up. I tell them. Do you understand how this works? Same way with sin. Sin doesn't step in and tell me what to do. I tell sin. I have the power of Christ. No, you can't have this part of my life. I've surrendered it to Jesus. I'm going to exercise the freedom that I have in Christ. And if we don't do this, then it gets gets us in real trouble. There's another part of sin that we're set free from. Sin's pervasiveness. And this is a tougher one to understand, but not only is the power, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, but sin has impacted every single aspect of our being, right? That's what it means to be depraved. That's what we are. And so my thoughts aren't right. My feelings, I can't trust those. They're not right. My understanding, my my way to put things together, uh, I, I lean not to my own understanding. It's a dangerous place to be. It's dangerous. Sin is pervasive. But when I am set free in Christ, I am also freed from the pervasiveness of sin. So yes, teenager, you can bring your thoughts into captivity to the cause of Christ. You don't have to think wicked thoughts. Yes, Dad, you can bring your temper into captivity of Christ and act out righteously. Do you understand how this works? Because sin, the pervasiveness of sin is also broken. Yes, it has impacted so much of us. But one by one, little by little, I can put off, renew, and put on Jesus Christ. And I can have power over sin, not be brought under the power of sin. She says, I'm sure, not sure I understand. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. Uh, but anyway... Um, because that's probably Google, right? <laughs> I'm sure they don't. Uh, but you, you get the idea. I mean, it's like there, we, we need to exercise the freedoms that we have and to understand that, okay, Pastor, you, may, uh, you, you can say that, but you just don't know how, how pervasive sin has been for me. I don't maybe understand that for you, but Jesus does. And I didn't write the book. He did. And he says, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. That's what he says. I'm to stand fast in that liberty. I have freedom. And it's guaranteed by God's constitution. Do you understand? And unlike certain governments, God doesn't ignore his constitution. You see how this works? So I'm guaranteed this. I need to begin to live it out and not be afraid to exercise the freedoms that I have or I will surrender them if I'm not careful. So how are we made free? How do we do this? Well, salvation is the obvious one. If you're here this morning you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, that's where it starts. Unsaved people can only do unrighteousness, period. Even good things become unrighteous because our sin taints everything we do, right? But in Christ, now... I can do righteous things. So we need to, first of all, trust Jesus Christ, your Savior. If you've never done that, let me beg of you, please, today, consider surrendering to this wonderful thing of the gospel and letting Jesus Christ give you the gift of eternal life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. 
That's what the Bible says. And it's a matter of you and I trusting God to keep his promise. He says if we'll believe on him, on what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for my sin, then that payment will be applied and the penalty of sin is gone. And now the access to the power of sin being defeated and the access to the pervasiveness of sin being defeated is in his mind through Jesus Christ. I have those freedoms if I will exercise them. So first, be saved, right? Second one is, if you know, say, Pastor, I've already done that. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I'm still struggling. Well, I understand that. I do. I, I honestly do understand the fact that when we got saved, we didn't become perfect. That's just the reality of it. Until this mortal puts on immortality, I get up every day and fight a battle. And I wish it could be over. That's why, quite honestly, I'm to the place in my life where I'm like, Lord, even so, come quickly. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm tired. The battle's weary. And I'm just ready. Take us all. I'm tired of burying people, to be quite honest with you. I'm tired of one by one people becoming like Jesus. They just want us to all become like Jesus. Let's just go together, right? I'm ready. That's the reality of it. But that being said, here's what I have to do. I have to get up every day and fight the battle. So I, I do understand. You're not fighting any battle that I don't fight every day. We get up every day. We put on the armor of God that we might be able to stand. And without doing that, we don't stand. We don't stand. We become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We must put on our armor God and fight the fight. It, it's called sanctification. We put off what we know is wrong. We renew our thinking about it. We put on what we know is right. And it's one step at a time, becoming like Jesus, little by little by little by little, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And, and that's how we access this freedom and, and, and get to that. But Having said all of that, here's what we're free to do. We're now free from, but we're also free to. And I want to talk to you about the things that we're free to a little bit. Do you know that just think back to whatever three minutes, two minutes, one minute before the, before the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Can you remember that? Can you remember back to that point? I was a 16-year-old kid. And I remember, I remember struggling. I did not want to do this because I was afraid of what people would think. And I did not want to take this step. I was afraid of what it might cost me. I went to Avon High School, and I was involved in the school, and those kinds of things. And I just, I didn't want to take that step. And just a few minutes before that, you know, as, as I'm, I'm waiting, I had no access to the God of heaven. But the moment I said, Lord, in my mind and heart, I'm trusting your son to be my savior. At that moment, Hebrews chapter 4 became my reality. And I could come boldly into the throne of grace. I could fellowship with the God of heaven. And you know, if we don't fellowship on a regular basis... Freedom's not exercised, our freedom's surrendered. The devil is winning a battle. And all of a sudden, remember, do you remember why Jesus said uh, in second, or First Peter, Jesus didn't say it, but Peter said in First Peter chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 7 it is, where he's talking to the husband. Likewise ye husbands. And he says, 
do the do right by your wife, right? Treat her the right way. Treat her as that that uh, weaker vessel, not because she's weak, because she is delicate, because she is cannot be replaced. That's the idea of that weaker vessel. You can't replace her, guys. So take good care of her. That's what the Bible's teaching us. And it goes on to say, if we fail to do that, if we fail to treat her like a sister who is a co-heir of the grace, read the verse. It goes on to say, if we fail to do that, our prayers are what? Hindered. See, I have access to the throne of God if I'm doing, if I'm exercising my freedom. But when I quit exercising my freedoms, I get entangled in the yoke of bondage. And all of a sudden, my prayers are being hindered. The access to the throne room is being hindered. I've been freed by Christ to things, just as easily, just as well as from things. From sin's power and penalty and pervasiveness, but to be able to fellowship with God. And a freedom that is not exercised is a freedom surrendered. When's the last time you got up and spent time with God before you started your day? A freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. You know, we live in a country that allows you to read your Bible. A freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. Who would have thought I'd have said this from the pulpit, and it actually has a possibility of being true in our lifetime? If America keeps going the way she's going, there will come a time when we cannot freely open our Bibles and read them. Because a freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. We need to be exercising the freedom. We have the freedom to fellowship, not just with God, but with each other, right? Here's a, listen to what Psalm 55. I love this verse. Psalm 55, verse 14 says this. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. That's what you've done today. We've, we've come together in company into the house of God, taking sweet counsel. We have freedom to fellowship with one another. We have the freedom to worship uh, in America, we can worship as we please, not necessarily in the Scripture, right? The Bible doesn't give us the freedom to worship as we please. The Bible says in John chapter 4, says, They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? So we can't just worship how we want. But in America, we have the freedom, and a freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. We're exer- we're, if we don't exercise these freedoms in our Christian walk, we're surrendering them not to the government. We're surrendering them to our flesh. That God has given us power over. But we're surrendering them to our flesh. To live righteously. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We're free to serve God. We couldn't serve before. All our righteousnesses were as filthy rags. But now I can serve God. And what a privilege it is. I'm free to love the Lord, to love my brethren, to love my family, to love even my Enemy, my enemy, couldn't do that before. But in Christ, I am free. Why don't we exercise these freedoms? We don't know about them, we're afraid of them, or most frightening of all, we're comfortable with where we are. We're free in Christ, but we're content not to exercise our freedom because, Pastor, don't rock the boat. I'm just as close to God as I want to be. Leave me alone. And a freedom not exercised is a freedom surrendered. And it brings us back into bondage. And there's no reason for God's people to live this way. 
Oh, God has set us free. What a joy it is. Would we be willing to live out the freedoms God has given us? Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Say, Pastor John, I know I'm a Christian. That's not, on, that's not an issue here, Pastor. I know that if I die today, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm aware that the penalty of my sin has been placed squarely on Jesus Christ. And I know that I'm no longer under sin's penalty. I'm on my way to heaven. But, Pastor, I'm just being honest. I'm not living out the freedoms that I have in Christ. And I'm allowing myself to slowly be entangled again to this yoke of bondage. God loved me so much that he gave his son. Jesus loved me so much that he became obedient even to the death of the cross so that I could have these freedoms. And now I'm squandering those freedoms. And it's like America, folks. Others have died to give us the freedoms we have, and we're surrendering them. We're just giving them back. It's to the disgrace of those who died for those freedoms. The same it is with Jesus. It does not impact the fact that he's taken the penalty. But it does impact what we're doing with our lives. Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I'm just being honest, Pastor. I see my life drifting back toward that bondage. And I need to step up and live out the freedoms that I have in Jesus Christ. Pastor, would you pray for me that I will not surrender these freedoms to my own flesh? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you. His hands have just shot up across the place. Thank you. Anybody else? I'd like to join. Probably 50, 60 hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Maybe there's someone here that's a pastor. The truth is, I'm not certain that I'm a Christian. The reality is, pastor, if I died today, I'm not certain I would go to heaven. And I'm concerned about my very soul, about where I would spend eternity. Pastor, that's, where I, that's, that's my need. No one else is looking around, just you, me, and the Lord. Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Say, Pastor, that's where I'm at. Would you pray for me? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Anyone else? Here's the wonderful news. Sitting right where you are. Here's what the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right now, right where you're sitting, you can put your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross to be the complete payment for your sin. And the God who cannot lie will keep his promise and give you the gift of eternal life. Right now, right where you're sitting. Would you do that? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved right now, right where you're saying, Lord, please forgive me my sins and save me. And place your trust, your faith, your confidence in him to do just that. And God will do it. Father, many, many hands have gone up. God, I pray that you would strengthen, embolden. God, forgive us when we allow ourselves to be drawn back into that bondage of sin. Help us, Lord, to live out the freedoms that we have in you your son. Lord, help us to uh, enjoy those freedoms and to hold on to them. God, for these that are not certain about their salvation, God, I pray that today they would put their confidence, their trust, their faith in what you've done for them on the cross through your son. 
and that they would trust your son's death to be the complete and total payment for their sins. And that they would leave here this morning knowing that their sin penalty is taken care of. God, help us not to carry around guilt for what you've already paid for. Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together, Living for Jesus. If you'd like to talk to somebody with altars open, if you just want to talk to the Lord, the altars open, whatever it might happen to be, but leave here today confident of your salvation, one, and secondly, confident of the direction that your life is going, living out in the freedoms where Christ has made us free as we sing, You Step Out, Let the Lord Have His Way. supposed to be announcing for today. Fire practice is at 5 o'clock, I think. The Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You're dismissed.